0: wellness force radio episode one
1: fitness is not for everyone nor should it be i think it's one component of this kind of larger aspect that we have to start addressing which is just overall wellness and i think we need to start as in consumers and as practitioners we need to start taking a step back and take more of a global approach rather than this kind of myopic localized approach that it's, you take your fitness and everything seems to all the dominoes fall in place and it's not true Welcome to Wellness Force Radio, where you will hear inspiring and passionate experts in the areas of wellness technology and behavior change. Your host, Josh Trent, will empower you with the knowledge and tools you need to take the very best actions in transforming your mindset, your body, and ultimately your life. Now, here's your host.
0: Welcome back to Wellness Force Radio. I'm your host, Josh Trent, and every week we bring you inspiring and passionate experts in the areas of wellness, technology, and behavior change to empower you with the knowledge and tools on how to take the very best actions in transforming your mindset, your body, and ultimately your life. Today, I am both excited and grateful to have one of the top fitness leaders in the world on our show, Fabio Kamana. I'm beyond excited to speak with this man. He has truly dedicated his life to serving and helping people through fitness and health. Fabio Kamana is the Director of Continuing Education for the National Academy of Sports Medicine. He holds master's degrees in exercise physiology and nutrition, is a faculty instructor at the University of California, San Diego, San Diego State University, and is the president of Genesis Wellness Group. Now, Prior to this experience, he was a collegiate head coach for strength and conditioning. He also opened and managed clubs for Club One. He has a lot of experience in the fitness industry and is a sought-after presenter. He also has been in multiple media outlets and an accomplished chapter and book author. Fabio, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you, Josh. That was very nice.
0: Yes, you have quite the resume, and I, I'm sure that when people <laughs> introduce you, when whenever you're speaking and whatnot, people are tapping their fingers and thinking, "Wow, I didn't know one human being could have this long of a resume."
1: <laughs> well, you know what? We put on our pants one leg at a time, so we're just all the same. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a very fulfilling journey. And like I said, I. I Love to learn and love to share information with others if it can make a difference in their lives. Yeah, and we,
0: re- we really appreciate your knowledge too. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day and, and really out of your fitness tour. Can you touch on what you've been up to for the past couple of weeks? I just got back from
1: Asia where I did a 23-day tour, uh, seven countries. It was probably, I, I think, I, you know, the old classic saying you bite off more than you can chew. It was... Uh, A very, you know, sort of fruitful, a very enjoyable experience, but it was a little much, and literally got back Saturday night, and on Thursday I'm off to Africa for two weeks.
0: All right, going back to the roots.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Yes. Well, we're excited to have you on the show, Fabio. You know, with your dynamic expertise, we're going to touch on a few things for the listeners who are interested about coaching. You wrote an article for NASM called Coaching the Future of Training. Mm-hmm. We're going to dive into that. We're also going to uncover some insights on what actually makes people change their behaviors for the long sure. term. And really touching on the quantified self movement, wellness and fitness technology and how that's changing the personal training landscape. So really excited to dive in there. But I wanted to learn whenever I'm interviewing a thought leader, especially someone with, with a long bio like yourself, I'm always fascinated by their road to success. Um, uh, wh- what was your, what was your kind of calling that you culminated here? What was your path to what led you to be someone who travels and educates people about fitness around the world?
1: You know, it's been interesting. I'd say a lot of it wasn't necessarily by choice. Some of it was by circumstance. But, you know, a good friend of mine says, life doesn't happen to you. Life happens for you. And I think I'm kind of a living proof of some of those on occasions because, you know, for example, my graduate work, my plan from when I was doing my undergraduate work was to be a dietitian
0: and, you know,
1: got into kind of the diet tech world and realized it just wasn't a good fit for me. And so while I was back in college, you know, I decided to go back and finish my, do some graduate work. Really what it was, was buying myself time to kind of figure out a career path. And while I was doing that at San Diego State, the actual graduate program got, got closed. You know, we had budget cuts and they actually ended the program, terminated it. So I kind of transitioned into exercise physiology and, you know, realized, wow, you know, this was kind of something that really aligned with my passions. And then it just serendipitously, the programs realigned and they brought nutrition back. And so that allowed me to pursue a second master's degree. And so, you know, I think it's a blessing in disguise because it's given me the strength in both those areas to be able to complement my nutritional background with my exercise first. But it wasn't, as I said, it wasn't really my plan. It just happened to fall into my lap.
0: Hmm. Was there a certain time in your life where you knew that, that this was your calling or was it just kind of a, a long process of culminating?
1: You know, it was actually early in my life. I was, I grew up in a very competitive, uh, you know, family where when I say competitive, we played sports. I got into competitive sports at age five and that kind of, that environment and then going to boarding school in South Africa where sports participation was mandatory. You know, I, I always was fascinated by looking for ways to kind of improve performance and to help the team, you know, kind of obviously get out, get, notch out victories and, you know, coaches started to take notice of that and, you know, I sort of getting into discussion with coaches and I, you know, was appointed captains a lot of times, but it really kind of fascinated me looking for ways, you know, during practice, outside of practice to kind of, you know, whether it was to improve my performance, help me recovery, you know, help with my recoveries, whatever it was. And this was at a young age, I mean, during my teen years. So I think that, that bug was planted early in life and I think it's just kind of kept my inspiration, you know, through the years to where I am today.
0: Yes, and is there something where you look back where it was a pivotal moment was it was it with the reinstatement of that nutrition course that really pointed you in that direction or or as you said, did it kind of did life happen to you?
1: No, I think my turning point was uh really happened back in nineteen ninety eight I was diagnosed a few years earlier with you know an autoimmune disease, and you know at the time I was an athlete, and of course you have that feeling of invincibility, you have that sense of denial and it wasn't until I really got hit hard with my autoimmune disease in, in 1998 where I was bedridden almost entirely for about four to five weeks and I couldn't really exercise for about six months. You know, just the changes in my body with the heavy doses of medication that I was on just made me realize that there needed to be a system of checks and balances. And through my own discovery, through my own experiences, and you know, the, the pain and suffering that I was going through, and whether it was physical pain or just mental anguish, I just realized that I couldn't live like this. And so I needed to find a change. And I think that kind of put me on a path of realizing that I wanted to make a difference in my life. And in turn, that kind of fueled my passion to see if I could make a, make a difference in other people's lives. And I, so I think that was my real turning point. And that kind of fueled my passion through my academic preparation and my continuing education to this day.
0: Wow, Fabio, I am. Um, I really resonate deeply with what you said. I feel like most people who have been through a struggle themselves physically are really the ones who can inspire others physically and and also emotionally. Because when you have a story like you just shared with us, mm-hmm. that is something that people can connect with. There's That's a so uh, there's a practitioner that I followed and learned from, Paul Check, and yeah. and he's he's been quoted as saying, uh, you know, you can only take a client on a as far on a journey as you've been. And, and I really I really connect with that so thank you for sharing I don't know if that's something you typically talk about
1: I think when I first went through it I wasn't that open about it because you know you kind of keep your personal experiences somewhat I wouldn't say buried but you kind of keep them you know personal to yourself but I just found that it was it it, it became more therapeutic if I shared my story and as you said Josh you know having a story kind of helps people identify with you and so I think I've, I've started to feel more comfortable sharing that story but it's not something that I go around you know telling because you don't want to be victimized
0: of course and and definitely feeling the power of of the story not the victimization it's something that dealing with clients a lot of trainers rub up against you know this kind of victim mentality yeah. and I'd love to touch on you know what we're actually looking at here as technology exponentially increases and mm-hmm. as trainers become in this space where they can capitalize and use this technology it's going to allow our clients to become way less victimized. And it's going to empower not only the trainer. But the clients in this new paradigm of self-care and self-empowerment, L- let me just read a quote from the article that you posted on NASM. I think it sure. was a month ago. Mm-hmm. And for listeners, this is NASM and it's coaching the future of training. So as healthcare continues to migrate towards more self-care and self-empowerment, this demands more personal responsibility for wellness on the part of the consumer. This affords the health or wellness coaches with a, with more opportunities to support this changing paradigm, i.e. a balanced lifestyle of total health and not just greater levels of fitness. When you say Fabio not just greater levels of fitness, what exactly did you mean by by that statement?
1: As you mentioned, you know, the, at the introduction of the session you mentioned how there's you know there's been some changes and and you kind of alluded to the point of, you know, fitness and wellness and so You know, we've been so myopic, so one-dimensional with our focus on, you know, fitness, that fitness was kind of the physical parameters of fitness were kind of what led to quality of life. And we started to realize that it isn't. You know, we're starting to see research changing where even movement can reduce mortality and improve quality of health. So, and then we're looking at the negative effects of stress and, you know, cognitive decline and everything. So, this more comprehensive approach where it's got to be more than just exercise and fitness you know, and, it's, and I use the word wellness now, and it's an integrated approach, it's kind of our future, because fitness is not for everyone, nor should it be, you know, I think it's one component of this kind of larger aspect that we have to start addressing, which is just overall wellness. And I think we need to start, you know, as as in consumers and as practitioners, we need to start kind of taking a step back and take more of a global approach rather than this kind of myopic localized approach that, you know, you take your fitness and everything seems to all the dominoes fall in place. And it's not true.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Because, you know, as, as a tool set, fitness is a really powerful tool. I mean, I've seen people catalyzing incredible changes in their lives from fitness, but essentially it's, you know, it's the intention behind the tool that makes all the difference. When I get from your article here with, with coaching, Actually, we we see trainers transforming and morphing into being a coach and being more of a a mentor to their client, having a deeper relationship. How do you see the technology piece of Fitbits, Jawbones, and that kind of software element morphing in the future? Where do you think this is going to go for trainers to be able to work with their clients on a a way more proactive and less reactive level in the next couple of years?
1: I think it's it's undoubtedly that technology, this wearable technology concept is going to be an integrated part of our lives. I mean, we started with the heart rate monitor. You know, now we've seen the wristbands, of course, the evolution of the watch, you know, the sports watch or the, you know, the wearable watch is next. You know, it's not going to stop there, Josh. We're going to see glasses. I mean, we've even got contact lenses now that are able to, you know, we're going to project things through contact lenses and we've got wearable devices. You know, we've already got clothing materials that can start to track you know, breathing rates, core temperature, everything. So the reality is we're measuring, you know, this concept of quantified self that was coined in in Silicon Valley, you know, about 10 years ago. It's reality now. And so people are measuring information. And, you know, measuring information is not just responsive to exercise. It's, as you said, it's kind of being proactive and just helping us gain more of an understanding of what your body's doing, you know, 24-7. And I think how the practitioner can really... You know, benefit from this is goes back to the one word I said, which is understanding. And I think that's kind of a big difference when you talk about the practitioner morphing, the personal trainer morphing to coach. I think it comes down to looking at the evolution of the personal trainer. You know, the personal trainer came out of medicine. Medicine has often had a very directive approach where, you know, the self focused, initiative where I know what's best for you, here's the you've got a problem, here's the solution, i.e. your prescription and, you know, let's go fix the problem. You know, it's much like you eat white bread and me just telling you, hey Josh, white bread's bad for you, stop eating white bread. Let's use wheat bread. You know, it's a very prescriptive approach. And, you know, Stephen Covey said it best, you know, seek to understand before you you're understood. And I think that's really the essence of coaching. And I think a lot of us, you know, are so quick to pull the trigger and tell people what it is to do. And that' drives nothing more than short-term compliancy and really if you want to create sustainable change one of the first things you've got to do is understand people understand what drives their behaviors their thought patterns their emotions because let's be honest most people know that they're supposed to be active most people know they're supposed to make healthier choices but the reality is they don't and so we can't keep telling people because as I said we won't get sustainable change and you mentioned earlier about a journey you know, and life is a journey, and we have to create sustainable results.
0: Absolutely, And
1: I think the wearable technology is going to help us understand or help the consumer understand their own bodies and understand what's happening in their own bodies because it's not just going to be biometrics. I mean, we're going to get chemical compounds being measured like hormones. And, you know, you start to kind of get all the pieces of the puzzle. And now the consumer working with their coach is going to be able to make sense of all of this.
0: Now, and as far as, far as how, the, how the trainer or the coach actually because we're calling them coaches now because I, I, I'm a firm believer I share your thoughts on that really what what the insights we have now we have blood testing through wellness effects and we have genetic components through 23andMe we have activity steps sleep heart rate tracking through Fitbit and things like that so we have a lot of tools that trainers and coaches and even end users moms and dads can use but have you seen and, and where do you think these things will go as far as seamlessness right now I almost feel like we're so early in the wearable game And in in, in this market that the devices are stonewalled. Everyone wants to have their own data ecosystem. No one necessarily wants to share. Lifetime just chose Fitbit as their partner that they're going to be recommending their clients to. So we're seeing this this gravitation towards uh, technology pieces being used in the coaching atmosphere. But I'm wondering your thoughts on when you feel seamlessness and, you know, kind of like a dream platform would be available for coaches and trainers and people to actually use. The
1: first thing, I think, you know, taking a step backwards is we have to look at, you know, where are we going to be collecting data from? So you've already mentioned quite a few of them, but we're going to see more. I mean, you've got to think breath and sweat. You know, any compounds that, that basically give us where there's transition of compounds that are, or, you know, chemical compounds, call them hormones, neurotransmitters, sure. that are manufactured in the body that can be transpired across membranes, across through the skin that we can collect – So when I look at it, I look at it wearable, you know, reusable wearable patches. I'm looking at, you know, compounds being measured in the breath. So whether we have a device that's actually capturing something from our breath. I think that's, those are going to be kind of key things that we're going to see in the future. And I think, you know, the shared platform is going to be a a kind of a key thing. You know, right now we have a few companies that have been working on aggregating data, whether it's your biometric data from your doctor's office, whether it's your fitness data, information from your Fitbit. So MD revolution here in La Jolla has been, you know, has got that and they actually have an aggregated platform, but it's still very, you know, a lot of these companies are still working in silos. So, you know, we're seeing the opportunity for people to create their own ecosystems where they can say, listen, I'll share my information with you people because, you know, again, it falls under the privacy act and, you know, this data shouldn't just be out there, but I think we need to see more collaboration because, as I mentioned earlier, it's about getting an understanding of what does this all mean and how does this positively impact your life? And I think if we can get some sense of collaboration between organizations, you know, between these technology platforms where we get enough people so we can start to understand, okay, what does this mean? You know, rather than working in individual silos, then I think that in the long run will benefit the whole rather than the part. And so I'm hoping that, there will be a spirit of collaboration between some of these big technology platforms where they will, you know, kind of like Apple has an API. You know, I'm hoping there'll be something like that so that we can actually aggregate data. And then, you know, the great research minds of the world can let us, you know, give us a little bit more insight. What does this all mean? Because I think with that interpretation, you know, then I think we can start, practitioners can start to make sense of this and they can start to understand, you know, methodologies that they can implement with their clients. And at the end of the day, everyone benefits.
0: And really, that's the goal. I mean, the whole point of quantified self, self-knowledge through numbers, a greater insight into how someone is actually showing up, how someone is being their behavior in their lives. This this technology component right now, as you said, is siloed. So this is what I am excited to learn about. I'm actually going to the quantified self-conference in San Francisco in two weeks, and I'm going to share a few of the conversations I had at the Fitse meeting at URSA this year, where where I want to find a platform that trainers, coaches, or even just maybe a, a boot camp instructor or anyone can log into that'll marry that outside data, that life data, the sleep, the steps, the stress, the heart rate with the inside data of the club. And so have you seen anything that, that really marries those two data sets so that we can get a, a high level 360 degree view of someone's life?
1: You know, I spoke to the CEO of Amstats, Michael Piermont, and he that's kind of a very similar vision that he shares with what you've just mentioned. So, you know, they're local too, and it might not be a bad idea for you to kind of, you know, reach out to them to kind of see what they have on the horizon because that's really the direction they want to go to. You know, they want to kind of create this shared platform that all practitioners, whether it's a doctor through a personal trainer, you know, can kind of come to resource information, gather, you know, gather information, you know, resources, things of that nature, make sense of everything, and then kind of, you know, be able to utilize you know, identify certain takeaways and be able to utilize that information for the betterment of, you know, the practitioner and the consumer. So they're one company that's trying to do that. You know, as, as I mentioned, MD Revolution in San Diego has already created a platform where people, so whether it's your your technology piece or your, your coach, can really upload everything onto this one you know shared platform and you can share that information with whomever you want. So I think we're moving in that direction. I think there's mm-hmm. some pioneers in this space. Obviously I speak to two of them. Uh, yes. So there's a lot more, you know, and I'm sure you'll learn a lot more when you go to the Quantified Self conference.
0: Yeah, and I think the exciting thing really is is if you strip it all down, we're really talking about mirrors of mindfulness for people. We're yeah. trying to give people as much information about how they're actually being in their lives. And I think as I've heard you say on uh, Dr. Mantel's podcast, that was the Amstats podcast, mm-hmm. you you would talked about how this data really is going to be something that when people are more aware, they're in a better space to make better decisions. So can you touch on for a listener like a busy mom or someone who's struggling to fit in fitness? And by the way, you said earlier, fitness may not be for everyone. It's just a tool. How do you feel that these quantified self tools, these digital health tools can plug in right now for a busy mom that is just kind of learning about this space? How could she actually create that change for behavior?
1: You know, one of the first positive things that really came out of the, uh, you know, the wearable uh, wrist devices, you know, we know the data is not accurate. You know, we know accelerometers are, you know, first phase of technology and they will be obviously, you know, obsolete very soon. But, you know, the idea is this, is that they cannot be intentioned to make change without awareness. And so one of the biggest things we saw out of these devices was people were checking in, you know, they kept saying, okay, what am I, how many lights do I have? What are my steps to you know, completed to this point of the day. And so that at least drove the awareness for people to at least make more effort to become more consciously aware of the fact that, as you said, be more mindful about their inactivity or their activity levels. And I think that was a good thing. But I think we've also got to be careful that something negative has come out of that. And it's kind of a situation where I may have a goal of, say, 10,000 steps for the day and come three o'clock in the afternoon, I've hit my 10,000, then what do I have? I have this kind of, you know, moral licensing to say oh i'm done for the day so now i can slack off
0: <laughs> you know right. so there
1: is and, I'm not, and I'm not, that's not going to be applicable to everyone but there are going to be those people that are going to say you know this is what may happen out of it so we've got to be very cautious that you know every piece of technology is going to be as good as how we use it and so there's always going to be positive and negative sides but i think the beauty of these pieces it doesn't matter to me how accurate or inaccurate they are if they provide a sense of awareness and a sense of understanding. And built into that technology is some sense of direction as to what a person should strive to achieve. I think we've put them on the path to improvement. Now that improvement doesn't have to be the Olympian. That improvement could be just, "Hey, you know what? I don't have time to exercise." And you know I've made mention to this in several in any of my writings over the last few years that really the solution to weight loss, which is, let's be honest, which is a primary driver for why many people enter the field of exercise. The solution to weight loss doesn't really lie in exercise. Unfortunately, the calories expended by most individuals are just inadequate to lead to sustainable and significant weight loss. So we need to start looking outside of the 30 minutes, one hour, two, three times a week that we commit to exercise. And there's been tons of research. I mean, starting with Levine over at the Mayo Clinic, a big study that was done by a researcher called Kesmarczyk and his colleagues in 2009, that showed that sitting is really our demise. And so just standing up, moving around, it could be an easy start for a person. And so for someone who's just getting going, you know, I, I, sometimes I ask them, what does exercise mean to you? And if it has anything, any negative connotation, we may have just identified their barrier, why they probably won't take that first step. And so we need to recognize that, listen, you know, while exercise is wonderful and has a myriad of benefits, maybe that's not your starting point and it doesn't have to be. And I think we need to start lowering the barriers of entry and make things approachable for people, whether it's just making a healthier choice at McDonald's. You know, yeah, I'd love you to measure portion sizes, but I realize it's not realistic for the majority of people. So let's just put people onto the path where they can take baby steps. And if they can kind of overcome that inertia and they start to build the belief, hey, that this is not that difficult, I can do it, self-efficacy, then we start to see positive change.
0: Mm. and with, and in this paradigm of technology being the disciplinarian or the data being the disciplinarian can you see in the future meetings between clients on a digital health level so example of digital health coaching would be you know checking in on your client when you receive a notification that they're out of parameter so if you have Jane Smith she's you know 51 years old she has a step goal of 8000 steps per day and you notice that for the past 3 days that she's only gotten 6,000 steps or 5,000 steps. What would be so exciting, and I don't know if you share this sentiment, would be having a system that is specialized to really take in the goals of the client on a one on uh, one-on-one level to where the trainer or the coach could receive notifications and give this client the right message at the right time whether it's their their calories in or their steps or whatever it might be I think that could be a real game changer and I and I'm hoping and I'm, I'm actually guessing that at Apple and at amstats and a lot of these companies they're possibly taking it to that route with this digital health coaching can you, can you touch on what what you think digital health coaching is for you
1: it's yeah i mean you make an excellent point there josh i mean to some degree that's already there i mean think of you know nike with their fuel band i mean they pioneer that kind of idea where you know you'd hit certain milestones it would give you positive reinforcement and if you weren't being active it would kind of send you a little you know kind of a little blurb to kind of remind you to do your things so that kind of digital coach that little you know and i, and I don't really want to call it a coach you know I'd, I'd say more of a motivator or drill sergeant has always been there I think the evolution is more of an AI, kind of an, an adaptive, you know, sort of artificial intelligence. But I don't want to use the word artificial intelligence because the people like Elon Musk will be cringing if I said that. But, you know, think an adaptive learning platform where the system starts to learn. And Apple already uses some of this technology and so does Samsung, you know, where it learns about your preferences. So, you know, you think about the Apple, you know, Siri, how Siri learns your preferences and stuff.
0: Sure. When when Siri works, she's great.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, you think about this. And so take now metrics like heart rate variance, where there's a day that we want you to recover because your body hasn't, you know, heart rate variance is a a biometric measure where we can look at whether you're a little stressed or not stressed. And it's just simply measured by the interval between each of your heart rates. And as you know, as you breathe in and out, your heart rate speeds up and slows down. And that really reflects the dominance of your nervous system's. And so, first thing in the morning, you're supposed to be in a state of relaxation, which implies you've recovered from the stress of yesterday. And if, it, if you haven't, then this is where I think the technology can really be useful. Then we should have this kind of adaptive learning platform that understands your likes and dislikes. And this is reminiscent of the movie She, I think it was – uh, not Her. It was a movie called Her, I believe it was.
0: I've heard of this. I have to watch this. Yeah, and this was yeah. where
1: this phone was learning about the user's preferences. And I think that's where we're going to go. And I mean, as scary as it sounds – I think it has some positive you you know, know, sort of applications in that if you do come out today and all of a sudden we notice your body's a little too stressed, then this technology platform via the digital coach could notify the coach that could then say, okay, today's our offload day. These are the things we're going to do. So today we're going to make sure that we we undulate our exercise programming, we undulate our nutrition, we go maybe spend a little bit more time doing yoga and breathing exercises rather than a hardcore HIIT workout. I think that's going to be kind of where I think we find our sweet spot. It might, and it won't just look at, it might just be, you know, you're noticing you're having a stressful day and your heart rate's checking in and all these measures, biometric measures that we're collecting. So now it's going to say, hey, take five minutes, take five seconds, step away, do three deep breaths, you know, overall wellness. I think we're going to see, to me, that's the next iteration that we're going to see with this digital coaching. It's going to be the interface between the quantified self gathering information and learning about the the body itself and then be able to feed that and kind of create using algorithms to be able to provide some meaning of what's going on, not just to the end user, but to the coach or the practitioner who then will be able to interface with them and say, this is what we can do. So it'll be kind of think of it as lifetime mentoring.
0: Yes. Yes. And I feel like it's honestly the most exciting time to be a coach or a trainer. I mean, do you feel the same way?
1: Absolutely. I think, I think we, you know, there's the old, the old adage says, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And I think, unfortunately, the fitness industry and personal training is very broken. And so I think, you know, the perception of personal training may not be as positive as I, I would like it to be. And I think this is a great opportunity with this digital era that's that's kind of fast rapidly approaching and kind of, you know, exploding around us, the need for a change or of a reinvention of the – the role of the personal trainer or the perception of the personal trainer and the need to be more you know more relevant in someone's life because that's the other challenge we're having is personal trainers are having a very difficult time demonstrating value because they have competition from digital applications, they have competition from some of the consumer-built programs like the P90Xs of the world, where I could just put in a DVD and exercise at home. And we've also got what? We have more choices, we have less time. And so you know, in time being such a precious commodity, it's hard for a trainer to demonstrate his or her value by just spending, you know, 30 to 45 minutes with you two to three times a week. So I think the more opportunity we have to interface with the client outside of the three, to, you know, three sessions a week, so think 110 hours rather than three hours, I think the more relevant we become. It's much like your phone. You know, it's, I use the word cost elasticity, cost elasticity. I talk to my students and I say, listen, if you used your cell phone, 10 minutes a day, that's all. Would you pay $500 for it? You know, where's the point where you'd say it's not worth it? You know, and I think it's hard for trainers to say, listen, I'm worth this amount of dollars or I charge this amount, yet you only see me three times a week for 30 minutes. And that time is shrinking. So I think to demonstrate the value and to really show what, for trainers to be able to showcase what they can do, it's imperative. Our survival lies in us coaching where we can build our relevance over 110
0: hours a week. Wow. I mean, so much power in... I, I almost want to just crystallize your statement and put it on the wall. I mean, this <laughs> this is something where there's always going to be a progression. There's always going to be growth in technology. And I think from a personal standpoint, there's only so many hours in a week, so many hours in a day. So the way that trainers or coaches add value is really good. It's going to lower attrition at clubs, make sure that clients keep coming back. But But really what the clients most deserve is results based on what they really need. So it's meeting. I think technology is going to help people meet people at their needs. So thank you so much for your insight on that. I just have a couple last questions and then we'll let you go. I know you got a lot of prep to do before you. Where are you going next, by the way?
1: I leave uh, Friday for, for Africa.
0: All right. That's right. Uh, now the, the question I've been dying to ask you is, is about behavior change and possibly tying in some of the search circuitry on the uh, limbic brain. So in your article, this last quote you mentioned was, you know, given existing changes with healthcare in our population, the future of training needs to evolve beyond just fitness. Coaching seeks to understand, then empower individuals via self-exploration and discovery. From a professional perspective, coaching expands the opportunity for a practitioner to have greater client interaction. Moving beyond the traditional confines of the gym's brick and mortar to support their personal and professional lives twenty four seven. I know we touched on technology being this this changer, but for behavior change for people that don't have a coach and don't have a trainer, what do you think they should be looking into? What are some action steps for for them to kind of explore?
1: I always say, if, if for sustainable behavior and sustainable results to take place, there has to be certain things. Number one. The reasons for change have to be important to you. So I always say, you know, you've got to give me as many reasons, not just, hey, I want to lose 20 pounds because it's going to make me feel better about myself. What does feeling better about yourself mean? And dig deeper. How does that connect with your core values? So I always, you know, I want people to do a little bit of self, self-exploration, self self-discovery to find out at the very end of the day, what are your core values? What do you really stand for? And, I, you know, if you can, sh- if we can find a way to connect... The behavior that you're trying to tackle, so maybe it's losing 20 pounds, if you can find a way that it positively can connect with your core values, those things that are dear and sacred to you, because those are things you're going to commit resources, time, and energy to. They are important and they're also relevant. And so if I can find ways to build importance and relevance, so one of the things I always do is I I take a little, you know, I spend time with a person and say, let's understand your core values. Help me understand what's important in your life, and then my job, using a tool called a decisional balance worksheet, is to help position you know what I've learned from you and what you've learned from yourself about the things that are important, and how this particular behavior can positively influence those, or how the existing behavior can negatively influence those core values. Then we start to build importance and relevance, and I think those are critical components to behavioral change. You know, everyone talks about motivation, motivation, motivation. It's certainly important to be motivated to change behavior. But the key is this. If I have to keep motivating you, if you have to keep motivating yourself every time you want to perform a behavior, the reality is it's probably not sustainable. So what we have to do is to make it important enough in you that you'll find your own motivation. But more importantly, there's a behavioral model that says if you can improve someone's belief, their ability to perform the behavior. So call that self-efficacy, coupled with just your capacity to do that, whether it's time, money, skill, whatever it is, if I can simplify that pro- that process, then I don't need to really motivate you very much. And if I couple that with making this important and relevant in your life, there's your your to me, there's your launch pad for change. So we build small ideas where we look at, all right, what would you like to do? Let's break that down into its building blocks and let's choose something small and simple that you can do that you don't need to find much motivation to, but yet it's important and relevant in your life. And we start there. And I think if that's what people can start to adopt, that we don't have to go for the home run. I say, you know, a lot of times a few singles, bunting, getting on base, and, singles at a time will get you the victory you're you're
0: still in the game that is awesome so belief self-efficacy and making it relevant these are things that are a solid foundation for this behavior change and and hopefully we'll see this this wearable market and this this fitness technology market make it easier for people to get right down to the beliefs as these mirrors of mindfulness point the activity towards the client I I certainly hope so yeah thank you Fabio this has been such an amazing talk and I know that that there's going to be a lot of questions and people might want to learn more about what you're up to and and where where you're taking your your contribution for the rest of this year. Where can they learn more about what you're doing and and what you'll be into for 2015?
1: Well, obviously you mentioned NASM, so you know, obviously I'm, you know, visiting the NASM National Academy of Sports Medicine website, which is nasm.org is one place you know, and through there, you know, we are building a lot of educational stuff built around behavioral change, and we're looking in technology and things like that. But I also post a lot of stuff on Facebook, Josh. And I mean, I, I will go from time to time listening to my audience, you know, and I have, you know, an audience that follows me from around the world. And I'm thankful for them every day for uh, their contributions, because they give me ideas. And so I listen to them and, you know. They want. They have questions. And so what I do is I, I post articles. You know, they're short little – it's not so much blogging. I don't really have time to blog. But what I do is I, I do a, a little sequence of articles that I'll post that will be 250 to 300 words. And I'll post them in kind of a short series. And then I'll kind of go quiet for a while because I get distracted. But, you know, if people want to just learn more about some of these ideas, they can find me there. But NASM.org's website. And then, of course, fitness conferences and, you know, probably milk cartons. Who knows where else I'll show up. <laughs> but, you
0: yeah. Excellent, excellent. Those
1: are the places you can find me.
0: Well, Fabio, we'll make sure to link all the associated uh, pieces where you, you can be found on the internet in the show notes. And thank you so much for inspiring me personally to just go to my next edge, go to my next level. And I and I hope that that the listener can really identify with these tools and technology being something that they don't need to be afraid or intimidated by, that they can actually be empowered by. So thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Hey, Josh, I want to thank you. And I want to thank you for your mission and inspiring all of us to kind of keep pushing this message forward to everyone. So thank you for your efforts and your contributions. And thank you for having me on your show.
0: Thank you, Fabio. Have a great day and enjoy the rest of your trip. All right, cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the show. Head on over to wellnessforce.com slash radio for all the links, show notes, and bonus content. If you're interested in changing old habits with new technology, Download your free digital health transformation guide at wellnessforce.com slash radio.